welcome to Thatch and Earth, your guide to conservation-focused travel. My name is Lawrence, and I am Phoebe. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about how we got started in the whole Thatch and Earth game, and who we are, and what we're doing here, and all that fun jazz. All that jazz. Do you want so, to start first? No, I think we should start with you. So, to start, to begin, to begin, let's talk a little bit about why you found yourself in the conservation field. What brought you to this whole realm of conservation goodness? I think conservation has always been part of my my life in some form or another. Um, I grew up on a farm in the UK surrounded by British wildlife. There's not a lot of it, but it really is beautiful. Um, I then by my early 20s had had enough of the UK and ended up in Namibia via the US and various different things. And that um, just gave me an insight into another aspect of wildlife. And I fell in love with Southern Africa and basically never left. Um, I then worked um, basically on the line between conservation and tourism um, and eventually found myself at the University of Cape Town. What, what? Um, studying African wild dogs and I just it's it's a, such a strong passion of mine conservation and I think if we can tie that in with tourism we will have done a really really good job so what about you I'm a little different um, I most certainly love the bush and the whole idea of conserving the, the natural world that we live in same as Phoebe no doubt about that but uh, I had a bit more of uh, uh, more intense practical experience in the bush, I suppose. I I was born and basically spent most of my time either at school or going to the bush with my family. Since since I was in nappies, I've been in the bush. And it's um, it's been a really, really awesome experience. been very fortunate to have said that I've spent so much time, particularly throughout Southern Africa, touring all over, camping all over, and getting to meet some really interesting individuals. When it came to the end of my schooling, I started, oh, I went to university for a bit and um, studied a degree that has nothing to do with conservation, oddly enough, and I found myself wanting a little bit more. So after the, after a bit of umming and aahing, I, you know, buckled up and got a bit more of an education in it. I started off with uh, just a bit of a basic field guide job, or well, a field guide uh, course, and before you know it, it went further and further further down the rabbit hole. I've also had the opportunity of spending a bit of time working with some of the parks officials uh, throughout Southern Africa, which has been quite cool. And although my background is not necessarily scientific, I've got the opportunity to work with some very, very interesting people who have spent a lot of time in that science field. So it's it's been really eye-opening to see both perspectives, you know, from a guiding perspective, as well as seeing the scientist's perspective and what they view the conservation field to be. And... I feel like it's it, it's a great combo between yeah. the two of us too because we have that you know we, we're instilling that whole idea of practical and science together because unfortunately both have two different varied opinions and it's exactly what we need to yeah, move forward definitely um, right well I think at least that's a good introduction on our background so to speak but mm-hmm. I think one of the more interesting ones and in considering considering there was a lot of this that was stemmed from you and basically Thatch and Earth came as a bit of a brainchild to you. What what got you fundamentally started on Thatch and Earth? What, what was your driving factor for it? So there were two main experiences that really got me into 
um, building Thatch and Earth as a platform. The first one was early 2019. We went on a trip to Kruger. We had a bit of time off and thought, let's go to the bush because there is no better way to spend time off than in the bush. True that. And we were staying in the south of Kruger, which is just the most stunning area. It's packed full of wildlife. It's absolutely incredible. Staying in the south, we got up after we'd camped the night before at one of the camp, uh, the rest camps, and we started driving. And as we start driving, we see maybe 10 to 15 cars clumped up on the road ahead of us. And my heart absolutely sinks because the thing about Southern Kruger is that a lot of the roads are tarred and it's very accessible for a lot of people, which means that a lot of people go and that is not a bad thing. All these people are paying to support the park and they're also actively wanting to get involved with um, nature, which is fantastic. But the problem is basically rather than driving around and happening upon a sighting in Kruger, people now drive around and look for cars and they know that if a car is stopped, they've probably seen something. So we drive up to where these cars were because there was no way to turn off the road and there's two male lions essentially being herded by all these cars on the road. There were guides with tourists in the back trying to take photos, there were people doing self-drive, there were people on their way to work in camps further north in the park and it just was not right. There was no approach that was focusing on learning about the whole environment and trying to protect it and really ensuring that your time in the bush was going to lead to something sustainable, all I saw then was, let's get a photo so we can put it on Instagram. And that, I feel, is unfortunately where a lot of tourism or nature-based tourism is going, and that could eventually destroy the very thing that it's built upon. So that was the first experience, and then complete opposite end of the spectrum, juxtaposition, was another experience we had in a reserve tucked right in the eastern corner of Botswana. This reserve doesn't have the big five, doesn't have rhinos, I believe, is that correct? Correct. Correct. Does it have buff? Yeah, it has no. buffalo. No, no buffalo. No. Okay. So it has three of the big five. Correct. Yeah. Which means that tourists don't go, despite it being absolutely stunning and spectacular and absolutely incredible, people don't go because it doesn't have this big five that they're meant to be looking for. And it was just those two experiences that I compared in my head. And I thought, this isn't what nature-based tourism is meant to be about. It's not helping the environment improve as a whole. It's just taking from it. It's not encouraging people to learn. It's not building these conservation advocates around the world. It's just allowing someone to take a photo and put it on, in, on Instagram. And that can only go so far. And I realized that there was a huge potential for education of tourists before they even get on a plane to come out to this part of the world. But also there's a, there's a great need for them to learn about the different lodges that they can stay at so they can ensure that their money is contributing to something bigger than the lodge itself. And that's where I hope Thatch and Earth will go. What are your thoughts, Lawrence? Well, I think, I think one of the main things that Thatch and Earth is and what, what we're trying to achieve from this platform is exactly that is education at the end of the day it, it's about making an informed decision on on the places that you want to visit i mean yes it is it is nice to go and see the big five and it is nice to have a really uh, a white glove service where you're presented with a gin and tonic 
And there's nothing wrong with and that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Everyone it. Everyone loves mean, a gin and tonic. Cannot, cannot fault you on wanting to have a little bit of luxury on a holiday. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that, that is obviously something that needs to be a consideration in your trip. But one of the things that isn't considered is what actually is happening behind the scenes. When, when someone's having to clean that gin and tonic out... You know, are, are they using water that's sustainable or are they just draining the, the natural aquifers where they are just so they can keep up to a standard of what you would call luxury? Are they contributing to research? Is, is is, yeah, exactly. And it, it goes, it goes further and like further that. the more you look at it. And I think one of the things we're trying to achieve at this whole platform is to say, right, these are all the places that are out there and you make your own decisions on them, but we're going to give you a little bit of a background as firstly questions that you can ask as well as some insights that are happening right now that are really important in order to make an informed decision it's not to say that the tourism industry is something that we don't need because of course we need it Definitely. without it without Definitely. it there's no way we would be able to keep the the conservation efforts that we have and there's a huge amount of evidence right now coming out that because of covid how tourism has dropped off how that's having a negative impact on wildlife and we'll get into that in a, in a later episode for sure but yeah it, it, it is it is incredibly important to also make wise decisions. I mean, for for some of us, I know for me in particular, if I if I wanted to buy a new laptop, I would spend a good month and a bit researching about what what I need for my that that suits my preferences. And I think it's the same idea with lodges. It it, it should be more than just about you know this is a pretty location and it's got really really nice service and it looks quite lavish. I mean. What what it what's happening there with the boots on the ground? Is there a good APU unit there, uh, anti poaching unit for those who who may not be in the know? And all of those are questions that need to be asked. I mean, you at the end of the day are contributing to the conservation of an area, whether you think you are or you're not. You are. Your money is going to some kind of use. And wouldn't it be nice to know exactly what your money is being used for? I mean, if you are spending quite a bit of money to go to these places, at least go to the places that are going to keep it there for longer. Definitely. And it's also acknowledging how powerful oh, how powerful of a position you're in as, as a tourist. That choice of where to spend your money, and frankly, some costs of one night at a lodge in the bush is someone's monthly salary and in Southern per Africa. Per night. Per night. Per person per night is a monthly salary in Southern Africa. Sometimes yearly, depending in. on how much it is you pay. And... That's really, really powerful. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that spending money in the right places can have a positive effect. And Definitely. that's what Thatch and Earth is here for, to help you ensure that you are making an educated and informed decision and that when you travel, you're going with an educated and informed mind and that you're already, you've already got a base knowledge about some of the key issues within the area. Couldn't agree more. Definitely. I think Thank you. I think one of the other interesting things about our whole idea of Thatch and Earth and what it it should become and what we we want it to become is a community. It it's it's about sharing experience and about being able to learn as well as contribute. You, the the whole idea of this platform is to take as much as much from you as you give as we give to you let's put it that way the the more you learn from others the more we can learn about ourselves and it's it's a very 
it's a very, very necessary part of the whole process is to get your opinion on things because without that, we can't have a more holistic or an objective approach to this. Yeah, and I think it's really important because obviously we have our opinions about things and something that we're going to do with this podcast um, as we are two people who are informed about the area and but view it from different sides means that we can take different sides in a debate and really talk it out to help you learn. But at the end of the day, because we've had similar experiences, we have kind of ended up with the same opinion. And it's it would be really great for us to hear what your opinions are, because the only way that we can really truly learn about an argument is to learn the opposing opinion. So when we get further into the big debates in conservation, so trophy hunting, for example, is a huge one. The big five is another one. We'll give you our thoughts. We'll battle it out a little bit in the podcast realm. But also, once you've listened to us, let us know what you think, because that would be really, really great to sort of build a community out of this. And just in case um, you, you're not too sure where to get in touch with us, please yeah, go, visit, visit our website. Um, it's www.thatchandearth.com, all one word. And you can also follow us on Instagram too. We'll we, put the links in the show notes, definitely. We, we'll definitely put the links in. And it, it's it's all about, like we say, establishing a community and having an open space to talk. Uh, and having a little bit of fun with it because, like, science like, big debates can get a little bit tiresome and sometimes you just want to listen to a podcast that's, like, a bit more chill. So we're not going to be too, too um, boring sciencey about it because as well, a scientist, we'll, we'll I get bored best. of boring scientists. <laughs> and I think I think that's also something something to to look forward to is being able to have these debates. And we encourage you to come up with some topics and send them to us because we also want to appeal to what you want. And I think, as Phoebe's previously mentioned, some of the things that we have to look forward to coming up is definitely the big five as a debate. I mean, trophy hunting is a is a massive debate. It's um, it's a very very difficult area to walk, and it's navigating through hot water while standing on a piece of ice. So it's <laughs> going to be very interesting. I like that. That's quite cool. <laughs> and. Uh, there are a bunch of other things that we can also go into. I mean, the whole point is the more controversial the topic, obviously, the more opinions there are going to be. And we like that. I mean, it's nice to take yeah. on a bit of a challenge. I mean, there, there's different areas of um, a conservation that also happen. We can even look at talking about almond milk if we already had to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a key one, though. It's affecting the bees. Yeah, well, it affects conservation. Monocropping it's, is dangerous, people. Yeah. Yeah. So... But- Anything else that you think anyone could look forward to in the next coming... Oh, there's so much to look forward to. Not only are we going to debate between ourselves, we're going to bring in um, key people in the world of conservation and get their opinions, hear about the work that they're doing, let them bring in topics which we may not be experts in, but they definitely are. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I think you should definitely subscribe because you will not want to miss out. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And looking at the time, that that about concludes us for today. Cool. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that this gave you a great introduction to who we are, what Thatch and Earth is, what it will become, and what our podcast is going to cover. If you've got any comments or suggestions or feedback, make sure you go onto our Instagram page, thatched underscore earth, 
or our website thatchandearth.com and let us know. And we will see you back here next week for another podcast. Bye. Peace.